0: Well good morning everyone are you feeling it this morning? Yes. Amen amen again again I am, I am super excited to be here this morning and is why am I excited again is because it's the beginning of July I can't believe June is over and we're in first week of July and we're starting a brand new series called New Beginnings and I'm really excited about this message and series as always and I can't wait for us to start and the four things that we're going to cover about New Beginning is that first, as you see it in your bulletins, you saw it last week, the, uh, the flyer that we inserted, is that we want to move forward. We want to forget the things behind us. We want to move forward. Second thing that we're going to talk about is biblical principles of pruning. Now, I know that all of us don't want to hear that word pruning because it hurts, the process. But we're going to talk about that, what Jesus teaches us what are biblical principles of pruning. And He wants to do that for us as a church, because He wants our church to be more mature, and He wants our church to be grown up. And third thing that we want to be is that we want to be wise and not foolish builders. The Lord gives us a perfect example, perfect teaching in His writings about to be how to be wise as practical way not to be foolish builders. The question that I have to ask again with this is that, are we a wise or a foolish builder? Fourth and last that we're going to talk about end of July, and it is get out of the boat. Some of us are really stuck in the boat. Some of us are really stuck in our own box. And God's been telling you over years, get out of that comfort zone. Get out of that box. Come and join me in my glorious kingdom work. But some of us are saying, not today, Lord. Lord maybe next year, and you've been saying that for the last five years, and the Lord, is, the Lord is saying to you, it's like, come on now, it's time, step up, and that's what we're going to talk about, but today we're going to talk about specifically what Paul challenges us to the church of Philippi, as well as church of Uptown, UBC, to move forward, and how are we going to do that, but before we go into his word, let me pray. And ask the Lord to bless this message and anoint it. Father, we thank you for giving us your word. A word that we ought to cherish and revere. But oftentimes, we don't revere the holy word of God. We don't cherish it. We don't embrace it. Sometimes we just kind of throw it out that was a good message that was a good word that I read this morning but do we really apply it do we really put it into practice what the word of God says it means if we don't that we don't revere the word of God it means that we don't embrace it wholeheartedly and it's not just another book that we read but God I pray may it never be so for us Especially this morning as we hear your word, may it never be that we just hear it from one ear and let it go out the other without practically putting into practice, implementing what we have learned. So God, I pray that you would teach us this morning. And Father, now may the words that are spoken from this servant and the meditation of my heart may be pleasing to your sight. In the holy name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen? Amen. For our families to move forward, one of the first things that we have to do is that we have to sell our house. We have to sell our house in order so that we can move, move, move forward to the next chapter, what the chapter that the Lord has written for us. And God has revealed to us that Nick and G, you need to move forward. Now, initially at first we had seller's remorse. The reason why we had seller's remorse is because we have great memories of that house. For example, Rachel was raised in that house for 15 years. She has great memories. Mom and dad has great memories of that. But she's moving forward because she's going to college this fall. We did great ministries in the house as well. We had broader showers, bachelor's party, we had first birthdays, we had our house group, we had people coming in in and out, and I have, as you heard me say this, I always often say it, and I'll say it to you, it's mikasa su and my wife and I believe we have open fridge policy, because we believe that the Lord would replenish it. As we empty it out, the Lord will replenish it. We have great experience, past experience, great memories. And as you can see why we had seller's remorse for a little bit. But no matter how great it was, we cannot live in the past. Amen? We have to move forward. God has a great plan for us. And I know that we will experience new and better experiences. But in order to experience new and better experiences, we have to move forward. We cannot be stuck in the past. And the question that I have to ask all of us is that perhaps some of you are stuck in the past. And you cannot move forward. And God has been telling you, you need to move forward. God is saying, you have a new beginning. Lord willing, we will be closing on our home on July 30th. All right? End of this month. That's Friday. I'm counting the days. And after we close on that home in the morning, then we can close on the new home that the Lord has provided for us and move in. Don't worry, UBC, I hired a mover so you don't have to worry about it. Is Pastor Nick going to ask us? (laughs) But already men have volunteered and said, Pastor Nick, I'm there. But we don't have much because you know me, G and I, we don't like clutter. We like simple. A lot of things we're just going to throw out. But we're excited Lord willing, that the Lord was going to uh, we're going to do that and we're able to move forward and we're excited too because we're going to be closer to the church 20 minutes away. So you can come over anytime. It's open. Cuz she has the house of the gift of hospitality and she loves cooking and I love grilling. All right? And so again, so in order for us to do that, we have to move forward. Now this morning as we study the book of Philippians, Apostle Paul teaches us for growing Christians, such as yourself and myself, as you be see, for growing Christians, we must run the race toward spiritual maturity. Okay? You know Paul, he loves to give the imagery of, of, of the race because he believes that we are in a race, a race for faith. And so Paul is reminding us To the church of Philippi that in order for to growing Christians, we must race towards spiritual maturity. For growing believers, we need to forget the past, victories, as well as defeats. If you know Paul well, he forgot the past, he forgets the past. He has to forget the past because remember who Paul was. He was a Pharisee and he persecuted the Christians. He was there when they stoned Stephen to death. He was there, he imprisoned, he imprisoned Christians. And he was, that was his life ambition. That was his goal, to persecute and put Christians in prison and put Christians in, to death as many as he can. That was his ambition. So you know why that he had to forget the past? In order to move forward. What's ahead of us? So we must move forward toward the prize that is set before us. Because God gives us, you, meet new beginnings. New blessings and new growth. Did you catch that? New beginnings, new blessings and new growth. So some of you who are kind of stuck in your spiritual walk, It's been kind of stagnant for the last couple of years. You're in the right place today because God is going to challenge you. You have a new growth coming at you. So turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. In verse 10, Paul says this. So you could turn your Bibles or you could look behind me. And look what Paul says in verse 10. He says, Paul says, this is my life's desire and goal now. My life ambition was to be the Pharisees of the Pharisees. It was t- it was for him to to climb that, so to say, corporate ladder to be the Pharisee. His life's desire is no longer to be the Pharisees of the Pharisees, but he says he says this: I want to know Christ. If you have your Bibles, underline that word "know" or highlight it. And let me press the pause button here, and let's work this out. What Paul is saying, this. I can not only imagine when he's writing this or he's telling, while he's writing this letter in prison, right? That he's not, he's not just going and said, I want to know Christ. But I couldn't really imagine that he's fired up because he's really fired up. And the reason why he's so fired up is because he's in prison for Christ. And he's in his mind, he's like, I want to know Christ. He doesn't just say, I want to know Christ. In a very look one way but I want you to read between the lines his passion and his heart, he says I want to know Christ now to some of you I want to take you back to the memory lane when you had an eye, uh, an eye for one, partic- one gal or one boy you approached that girl or boy and said I want to get to know you perhaps you were, some of you were there I want to get to know you. Why? Because you want to start the process of dating. You said to one another, I want to get to know you. But but for Paul, it is different when he says, I want to know Christ. He already talked about surpassing value of the knowledge of Christ. But now he defines what it means by I want to know Christ. What does that mean to Paul? And what does that mean to us? The Greek word he uses, to know, is one word, and it's ginosko. One word, ginosko. Which means to know, especially through personal experience, first-hand acquaintance. It's not simply intellectual knowledge, the knowledge of certain, the knowledge of certain facts, or even principle. Paul is not saying, I'm going to Google Christ so I can know about him. He's not talking about Googling Christ, about knowing him. No, he's talking about personal, intimate relationship. It's personal experience of one another. And that's the word that Paul is using here when he says genesco, the Greek word, to know. Now, in the Old Testament, to know means intimacy. Now, I'm going to be very careful because we have some young minds here. But in the Old Testament, to know means intimacy between a husband and wife. For example, in in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, Adam knew Eve, his wife. And she conceived and bore Cain. Now, adults, you know what that means, right? In Hebrew, the word is yada, and in Greek, it is translated genosko. The verb indicates that the most intimate knowledge of another person. But not only knowledge about the person, but the intimacy that is shared. For Paul, it is not to aim to know about Christ, but personally, intimately to know him. The question is, why was Paul so passionate to know Christ intimately? And he's very specific. He says, first, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know what? The power of his resurrection. For Paul, the resurrection was not only in the past, but in the present as well in the future. So the resurrection was not only the past, but present and the future. Resurrection of Christ, I want you to hear me now, to Him was not only limited to Christ, but it was a dynamic power that all of us can experience the power of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection of Christ, hear me now, our life is worth living. Because of the resurrection of Christ, our life is is worth the living. There's life beyond death. The kingdom of God is waiting for us. I have like top five movies that I enjoy. And uh, my number one movie, my all-time favorite of top five, the number one movie is Gladiator. How many of you guys have seen Gladiator? That is a a fantastic movie. In the movie Gladiator, Russell Crowe as the Roman General Maximus. I love that name. There's such power in that name, right? I love that name Maximus. I name our old dog Max. So when we first got Max, he was about three, four months years old. He's now four four and a half years old. And his name is Max. His full name is Maximus Kim, you know? He's about 25 pounds some of you guys know i already showed the picture of him he's my boy you know he's my boy sometimes i get jealous when you know again uh uh, g my wife and rachel they're so close they hug and they they look at me and they kind of make fun of me because i can't get into that group hug it's between mom and daughter you know i get jealous and i i run to max at least i have my boy here you know he's my boy Let me bring you back the Roman General Maximus. Makes me want to see that movie again. I might see it tonight. I don't know how many times I saw it. But he addresses his troops before battle. Do you remember that scene? It's powerful. In the winter time. He tells them to imagine where they will be after the battle. What's he telling them? He's not saying, he's saying look forward after comes the battle. He says, and if they do, they will live and it will be, be, will be so. He said, listen, our current situation is tough. We're going to fight. We're gonna be, some of you may die and some of you may live. But I want, I want you to focus is that I want you to look forward. That's what he says. They do, they will live, and they will be so as you look forward. And catch this line. He says, hold the line. Stay with me. If you find yourself alone, riding in the green fields with the sun on your face, do not be troubled, for you are in Elysium, which means heaven in, the, in their language, and you're already dead. But check this out. He says, brothers, notice how he loves his colleagues and his soldiers. He says, brothers, what we do in life, say it now, Echoes Eternity. I love that f- quote. What we do in life Echos in eternity. Now we're not in the battlefield like uh, Maximus and the Roman soldiers. We're not in the battlefield like them. But we are in a battlefield Because the Bible tells us that we are Our enemy is not with flesh and blood But our enemy is what with the spirit. Right? And Peter tells us that be, beware of the enemy because he's ready and he's roaming around. What? He wants to devour you. He wants to divide the, the family. He wants to divide your relationship. He wants, to, he wants to divide the church. And that is why Peter says, be aware. He says, wake up. And can you imagine? Jesus Christ, not Maximus, saying to you and to me, what you do in this life will echo in eternity. You see? as Jesus says, greater are your rewards in heaven. Amen? amen? You will be rewarded according to what you have done in here, and you'll be rewarded in heaven. What you do here, it echoes in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? amen. Come on now, amen. amen? So what we do here, we cannot take it lightly. What we do here cannot light with me. But I love the phrase, and I, was, I will quote Paul, uh, Maximus here. And I said, You will hold the line with me. Stay with me. As your pastor, I'm asking you and I'm encouraging you to stay with me. Hold the line because we got a battle to fight. Amen? Amen. Brothers and sisters, for all of us, it's all about the kingdom of God. It's all about the kingdom. Therefore, our life is worth living. Because it's about the kingdom. Because nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. Paul talks about that. Life or death. Like Paul, we know what the power of resurrection does for us in our lives. But the rest of the world do not know the power of the resurrection. They don't know if their life is worth living for. They don't know that there's there's life beyond death. And they do not know nothing can ever separate from the love of God. But we know. And we, like Paul, want to know more. It's sort of like, forgive me of this poor analogy, but I just want to bring this out because this will make more sense. Elder Dog got me into Vietnamese iced coffee. And it's pretty good. And I tasted that and I said, man, and, and then for, the, for a couple of weeks, I mean for a whole week, I had a craving for it. So last week we were going to go and get some, but because of our schedule and it didn't work out, we didn't get it. But yesterday we were here, we did the prayer walk. And then we had lunch. You know what came into my mind? Vietnamese iced coffee. And I went to got some. And it was, it satisfied my yearning and it satisfied my physical desire, you know, and I want it more. When we have taste of Jesus Christ, we, we know how good He is. And because we know how good is, he is, we want it more each day. And when we don't get enough of it, then we have this desire and we yearn for it. I want more of him. You see? And that's what Paul is talking about. Paul experienced the goodness and the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. And that is why he says, I want to know Jesus and I want more of him. And I cannot get enough of him. Amen? And that's what we're talking about here. I know that some of you have some cravings. And the point that I'm making is this. Do we have this burning craving, burning passion like Paul to know Christ more? Second, Paul says, I want to know the participation in his suffering. As Christians, when we suffer, we are in a way sharing the way of Christ's suffering. To suffer for the faith is a privilege, and that's why Paul took it as a privilege. You know the most of the time that he spent his ministry was in prison, writing letters, right, to the Ephesus, Philippi, and all the different types of, the Corinth, to the Church of Rome, all the letters that he wrote, a lot of letters were written in prison, and he was a lot of times shipwrecked, a lot of times beaten, and he was hungry a lot of times, and also physically, he's not the healthiest because he's got a in his flesh, and all this is in the midst of complication, he still says, I is a privilege for me to suffer for Christ's sake. Amen. Do you see why I love Paul? Man is passionate for Christ. Third, Paul says, becoming like him in his death and somehow obtain the resurrection from the dead. To know Christ means that we walk in the same way that he walked while he was living on earth it means humility It means gentleness it means forgiving loving the unlovable it means service because christ jesus was the ultimate servant wasn't he so god almighty coming on, humble himself, came into this world and showed us how we ought to live, to love, to serve, to, to be gentle and to receive others, to forgive others. And that's what Paul's saying, I want to be like him. And we, I hope and pray, that become like him in that way. Amen? Amen. To know Christ does not mean theological knowledge, but to know him intimately. The problem that I meet with a lot of wannabe theologians is that they will quote verses to me and they'll say, have you read that book? Or have you read that scholar? And I say, that's fine. But do you spend more time in prayer? Or do you spend more time in really intimate, getting to know Christ intimately? Or do you know about him in terms of saying, I'm a theologian? One of the disappointing uh, things that I saw when I was in seminary Trinity uh, was that a lot of PhD students. Sunday mornings, you know, I would go to church to, to serve as a youth pastor, and I would see a lot of PhD students, doctoral students, who are to be getting their doctorate in uh, New Testament or Old Testament or systematic theology. Hey, that's great that they're getting great, uh, uh, a PhD in that area, but you know what? They sacrifice the relationship. With other believers, they sacrificed worship coming to go into church. They just stayed because they were so focused on getting a, the degree of PhD in front of their name or behind their name that they failed to fellowship and worship with fellow believers in Christ. Do you hear me? That God does not want theologians, there's room for that, but there has to be balance. And that's what Paul is talking about. Remember, Paul was, he knew the, he knew the, he was an Old Testament scholar. But he says, all the things, all the knowledge that I possess, it's nothing compared to the knowledge of Christ and the intimacy. That's what he's talking about. He, He says, I want to know him. For Paul, he did not want to do that anymore. He says, I studied all my life to be the top Pharisee. But he said, I want to know Christ intimately. The question is about this what about us? We study the Bible, we read, we read the books about Christianity, we read uh, about different books, and, but do we really want to know Christ intimately? that's the question that we need to ask ourselves regularly. Paul admits he's nowhere near to to obtain his goal. His goal again to know Christ but he said he's nowhere near what he just talked about. Notice in verse 12 Paul says this, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal that the Greek word for have already arrived is one word is teleio, teleio Which means to bring to an end, to complete, perfect. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm not complete yet as a Christian. I'm not perfect yet. I'm striving for that because that's what God calls us. Jesus says what? Be perfect as my Father is perfect. We strive for it without compromising. Again, we can fall into legalism, but we we have to, again, that's where the intimacy of Christ comes about. Because again, he protects us from that. But he says, I'm not there yet. But because I'm not there yet, what does he say? Notice what he says. He says, but, because I'm not there yet, but I press what? On to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Now again, the Greek word for to hold of" is one word, is καλεμβανο, which is a longer word, but it's a one word. Simply means make it one's own. In other words, Paul is saying this: when I met Jesus Christ in the role of Damascus, Christ came and He made me His own, and I belong to Him. He saying, "Just as Christ made me His own." I want to have that intimacy with Christ and I want Christ to be my own. You see, that's what Paul is saying. And in order for him to do that is that we need, he needs to press on towards it. You see, Jesus had a purpose for Paul. And that's why he met him at the role of Damascus. To fulfill his life and make it his own. And that Jesus wanted to shift Paul's ambition of becoming a Pharisee to becoming a servant of God. You see that? Some of us in this room need to shift your ambition. Some of you, us, need to shift our goal. And the question that I have to ask is, what is your goal in life? What is your ambition in life? Is it for you to make a better living? Is it for you to climb that corporate ladder? Is it for you to get the better grade? Is it for you to get a better, I cannot say better husband, but, uh, you know. Is that your goal to get married one day? What is your goal and what is your ambition? And I will hope and pray that we get challenged. Just like Paul, brothers and sisters, that our life ambition, our life goal is shifted from worldly perspective to the godly perspective, and it's all about giving glory and honor to Christ. And as we give glory and honor to Christ, everything that we need a husband or wife, a new house or clothes, or food, a new job, it will be provided. Amen. Because that's Christ's promise. What did he say in the Sermon on the Mount? The greatest sermon that he gave. And you're going to hear me quote this over and over again. He says, first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the things that you need, what? Clothes, house, food, drink, what wife, husband, whatever you need will be provided. You see? And that is why Paul says my life is ambition, my life's goal is for him. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let's be honest. As Paul as he is real honest, he says, I want to make Christ's purpose my own, but I still have a long way to go. Notice in verse 13, Paul says this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to hold, taking hold of it, what, taking over what he was just talking about. But he says, I continue to push forward that one day he can obtain what he has been talking about. And he tells us how I'm going to do it. He says this, but one thing, one thing, if we could turn to the next slide, forgetting what is behind. Paul said, All my great achievements as a Pharisee, all my wrongdoing as a Pharisee, I will put it behind me. For Paul, it's all about forgetting the past achievement. In the same way he's telling us to forget all that we have done and remember only what we will do in Christ. Do not live in the past. Do not live in the past. We are to focus on, as Paul says, and straining forward, straining forward what is ahead. The imagery here Paul is using is this, as a runner. As a runner who's focused on that yellow strip, you know, as a runner who is focused on that line to cross, that's what Paul is saying, is that straining forward what is ahead. As the runner focuses on that line or that strip, that's what Paul is saying. The runner, his only goal, her runner only goal, is to finish that line. So Paul says this, in the Christian life we must remember only go, only go, or the goal is which is ahead. In August chapter, excuse me, not chapter, August 7, 1954, was the British Empire Games in Vancouver, Canada. Rick's not here, so, but people were excited to watch two runners known as the race called the Miracle Mile and two runners could the only runners Roger Bannister from England and John Laneley from Austria because these men were the only two who ran a 4 minute mile so all the eyes were upon these two men can you imagine 4 minute mile when i do a mile i probably take it takes me 8 minutes all right but 4 minute mile all the people were watching them as the run began Landy was leading all the way but at the home stretch as the crowds were roaring he made a fatal mistake and what was his fatal mistake he looked back and he lost his concentration and banister launched his attack and won the race by Five yards. If Apostle Paul was there, he would have told Landy, "Bro, you know better. To never to look back when you're running, because you lose your rhythm, you lose your focus." He was said, "You must." Forget what is behind. Because when you look back, you lose focus. And that's what Paul is saying to us, brothers and sisters. God calls us not to look back that may throw us off the path that he has set before us. But rather, look straight ahead and keep focus. For us as a family, if we didn't want to sell our house and we just wanted to stay still and we didn't want to move forward then what would happen we'd be stuck and we'll miss the new blessings and new beginnings and new growth so paul says in verse 14 i press on toward the goal to win the prize for which christ has called me heavenward in christ jesus as just as the runner focuses on what is ahead Paul said, I focus on heavenward, okay? And what Paul is talking about, the prize, is not about the the salvation. No, salvation is not earned. It's not the prize. But the prize that he's talking about is to experience Christ fully, to know him fully. That is the prize that Paul is waiting for once he goes to heaven. Because once he goes to heaven, he will experience Christ fully. He will know Christ intimately and fully. And that's what he's longing for. Paul, his greatest reward is to know Christ fully and nothing else. Paul concludes from his intensity to gentle and wise verse. Notice in verse 15 and 16, he says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of this. He's saying, as you are a mature believer, join with me is that our goal, we press on forward to know Christ. That's what is challenging the church. Like Paul, I want to know Christ fully and experience perfect fellowship with Him one day. Amen? Amen. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we must pour all of our energy into pursuing a deeper and fuller knowledge of Christ we are to run the race with clear focus but some Christians in the church of Philippi were not doing that and that is why Paul wrote this letter some Christians who have been walking in their faith for 10-15 years became lukewarm became complacent And perhaps, and I hope this is not the case, perhaps some of you here in our sanctuary today, perhaps you've been complacent in your faith. Perhaps you've been kind of stagnant in your faith. And that is why you are here this, and and the reason why you're here this morning is that God is reminding you through the letter of Paul to the Philippi, saying, come on, you've been complacent long enough. You've been stagnant long enough. And you need to press forward. You need to press forward. So he says in verse 16, 15, and if some point you think differently, he said, you don't agree with me, as Paul saying, and he says, God will make it clear to you then. Loved ones, if we think somehow in many of Christian living, That we have arrived in our faith and we are fully satisfied and thus ease up in our faith then we are wrong then we are wrong we are to pursue God relentlessly there is no break time when we are followers of Christ there is no vacation from Christ. There is no retirement from Christ. Only relentlessly pursue. On the side note, one of the police officers, I was talking with her yesterday, she says she's engaged with her fiance. And I asked her, when are you planning to get married? And she said, we don't have a date yet, but she kind of laughed and she said, our, and I said, where did you meet your fiancé? And, and he said, well, he's another police officer. And he, we met in the police academy. And, and I said, how did it come about? And, he, and she said, he relentlessly pursued me. <laughs> she said, at first, it was annoying. I didn't like that. But he didn't give up. And then she end up asking him out. You see that? Some of you know what I'm talking about. And that's what Paul, that's what we're talking about. As you relentlessly pursue someone that you want to get to know. And you have, and now you're married to that person. Well, Paul is talking about that we relentlessly pursue Christ because we want to know him intimately and personally. Amen? Amen? In verse 16, Paul says this, only let us give up to what we have already obtained. What is he saying? Christ is already in us. And so let us not give up. Let us continue to grow in our faith. Let us continue to mature in our faith. So you you see that we are continually and relentlessly pursuing an intimate, loving relationship with Christ. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Come on, people. In closing, in the movie, Chariots of Fire, another top five of my movie. It's a true story. If you haven't seen Chariots of Fire, you have to see it. It's about a a Chinese missionary. He went to China. His name was Eric Little, and he was fast. But one of the scenes was in 1923. The competing track teams of Scotland and France, they were tied in the event. One event that was remaining was 440 race. As runners made their first turn, they bunched up tight. But one of them, they knew Eric Little was fast, so one of the runners runner was not right, and he pushed Eric Little, and Eric Little fell off the track. But check this out. But Eric Little got up and started running through. He, though he was 20 meters behind, he never gave up and he ran fast as he could, and he won. The reason why he won is because he never gave up. You see, most runners, if they have fall, and if they have fallen behind, what will they do? They will dust off, and they will walk off the track. And the outcome, and they will watch the outcome. I love Chicago. And I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. Michael Jordan never, never gave up in his playoffs. Amen? Amen? That's why he's got six championship rings. Is it six, Pastor Mark? And he built that team. Some of you will hate me for this. LeBron James, when he was losing, what did he do? He walked off the court. I'm just saying, that's another song. But you see what i'm saying here eric little he could have walked off the track but and he won he never gave up jordan one of his playoffs he was as sick as his dog he never gave up and they won you know patrick ewing malone miller barkley never won a championship because of jordan All right, I'm going too much now. (laughs) I'll land the plane. I'll land the plane. You all know what I'm talking about, right? Never gave up. And that's what Paul's talking about. We don't give up. We don't look back. Amen? Eric Little won the gold medal because of that. (laughs) Loved ones, this is the way we are who are captivated by Christ. We don't give up. We are to relentlessly pursue toward the finish line to gain Christ, the resurrection, and the goal of knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that in your word, that as we revere your word, we could also have joy in your word. And so, God, I thank you for reminding us this morning. And as the Praise leave team comes up, and if I could ask Brother Mike to play a music. Some of us need to do some work with God this morning. Some of us need to go- meet with God one-on-one and do some business. Some of us need to tell God, God, I've been lazy in my faith. I've been too complacent in my faith. I've been stuck in my faith. I'm tired of that. God, give me a burning desire. Give me a burning desire. Give me a burning passion to know Christ intimately. Some of us need to pray that prayer. God, help me with my unbelief. Give me a deeper faith. Give me faith that can move mountains. Some of us are saying, Lord, I have mountains in front of me. Can you help me? And to those people who are saying that, my brothers and sisters, you need to go to Jesus and say, give me a greater faith. I'm tired of being lukewarm. I'm tired of being stagnant, being stuck in my faith. God help me. I want to give you this opportunity, but a minute, just to seek Christ at this moment. Do your business with God this morning. And some of you who are mature in your faith, ask God, God, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. Give me a heart and passion like Paul. I want to know Christ. So let's pray. Pray with me.